So the title for this class or for this topic is Be at Leisure, a Lutheran Approach to Outreach. And this is coming from a book written by a classmate, a very good friend of mine, Andrew Richard, uh, who went to Fort Wayne as well. Uh, it's funny, he and I both came out of the uh, church growth, contemporary worship sort of movement, and both he and I learned uh, the liturgy and everything there together. We learned the catechism, all these sort of things together. So it was, it was actually a really uh, a good friendship that we had. He was down here for the Steadfast Lutheran Conference, um, I think in 2019, and then uh, he has a couple of papers and a uh, very good guy. He's up. Uh, he's the associate pastor uh, with Pastor Christian Preuss um, in Cat, or I think Mount Hope in Casper, Wyoming, if I remember, uh, if I remember correctly. So, anyway, he wrote this book uh, several years ago, and it's very good. It's only like 58 pages, and I've had a number of you ask me about this, have questions about the idea of outreach or evangelism, or whatever uh, you want to call it. There's a lot of names. And how do Lutherans talk about it? And a, a lot of the questions, too, were, how do I talk to my neighbor? How do I, right, I have a, a cousin, or I have a, a friend, or I have a coworker, and what do I do? How do I talk to them about these things? So what I want to show you is the, uh, just the general outline. So this should take about 10, 11 weeks. <coughs> We're beginning today with the introduction, why this topic. Uh, then we're going to go to motives and approach. So what should the motives be for outreach, right, uh, that we have that right? And then what is the approach that we're going to take as Lutherans for this? Uh, faithfulness will be the second thing. Uh, third, beauty. Fourth, hospitality. Fifth, procreation. Sixth, catechesis, uh, the seventh week, strain, uh, the eighth week, invitation, the ninth week, good works, and finally, at the end, uh, the tenth or eleventh week, however this plays out, uh, this will be waiting and, and what, we, what we do with this. So, uh, again, why introduce this topic? Uh, because a number of you have asked me uh, to. Also, because the adult instruction class is replacing the basics of the Christian faith that we've been doing on Sunday mornings. So that's going to be condensed in a 10-week uh, format over the summer. Um, and I'm hoping to do that yearly. Uh, so so this will be a, a recurring thing. Uh, also, I want to clarify any confusion on the issue. Uh, because there's been years of popular but incorrect teachings on the issues. Uh, so there's hundreds of books and videos. And the approach that they tend to take, that they take, is the motivation by the law. So that they will motivate you through fear. And, and I want to talk about the title. I'll talk about that at the end and why this is called what it is. Uh, it's in opposition to everything else you're seeing uh, kind of in the Christian bookstores or the popular things, uh, that there's a motivation of fear. Um, so uh, the, the idea is there are people out there who are going to hell. There are people out there, um, I think, 
uh, somebody explained it this way once, that every time I snap my finger, someone else is going to hell, right? Uh, that puts so much burden on you, right? And that starts with fear, right, and anxiety, to say, well, get up, get up, we got to get moving, we got to go, we got to run, and we got to get this person saved, this, this, this. And the approach that the Lutherans would take to evangelism is not based on fear or the law, but on the gospel. And that even with evangelism or outreach, it's not something that we ought to be anxious over either. So I, I, I'll play that out and unpack that during this course. Um, but I really want that to stick with you, that we're not running around like chickens with our heads cut off, um, scared and worrying about these things. Uh, I'll just explain some personal history here. Um, my, my own father was a church planter. He's, I, I'll condense the story. He's from Chile. Um, he became a Christian and a Lutheran through the word and then came to the United States, uh, went to the seminary, came to the United States, and then um, and started to plant churches and missions. And so I'm very familiar with a lot of these things. I've heard a lot of it uh, growing up and these sort of things. Uh, there are some things that my dad did well, some things that he didn't do so well, uh, things he was confused about. And what I found was this book was really helpful in, in understanding uh, this approach. Um, even more, when I came to Zion... I'll explain this a little more later, but Zion's history, when I arrived, I've told you a number, a number of you this, that we had 20 people, about 20 people in church, uh, divided in two services, so about eight in the early, 12 in the later, um, and that the church had about $2.1 million of debt at the time. And one of the first meetings was that, hey, we're going to close in May, our, our funds are going to run out. This was August 2014, August 2015. Uh, we're going to close. And my first thought was, why did you call me? Uh, but so I, I got home and I told Erica, we just found a house. And I said, don't unpack. Um, we might not be here very long. So, but uh, in, in talking with, with the church, I said, okay, uh, well, this is what we're going to do. If that's the case, uh, we only have cash on hand to hold us over to May. Then what we're going to do is I'm going to teach the liturgy. And I'm going to teach about the Lord's Supper, about closed communion, about the scriptures. And uh, fast forward, coming up on eight years, uh, here we are. And we're still here. And we're building a beautiful sanctuary. Um, now, if you ask me, what did I do? I have no idea, <laughs> right? Um, there was no, there's nothing, I wasn't prepared for that. Right? I, I didn't have anything, any training. I didn't, I'm not good with numbers. You guys know that. I say that a lot of times. Um, I, I, I understand basic economics. I understand things like this. But um, that's not like, I didn't come in with a business plan, right? I didn't come in with a method or an approach. I said, I'm just going to write the best sermons that I am capable of, the best I can do. And so I start writing my sermons on Sundays, uh, the previous week. So, <laughs> no, not, not that bad, yeah. Um, uh, 
So the previous, so today I'm already thinking about, I know the text for next Sunday, uh, Luke 16, the rich man and Lazarus is the first Sunday of Trinity. I know the hymn of the day, uh, Lord, thee I love with all my heart. I've memorized, it's a beautiful Sunday. But I'm already thinking about these things in any downtime now for the next week. And, and that was my, my goal is just, I want to present the best theology to, to Zion. And I want to, um, and I care for them. And if we're going to go down, we'll go down together. I won't leave. And uh, I'm just going to keep teaching, 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 and knowing that even if the building crumbles, uh, the church can never die. Right? So no anxiety, no worries, no fears. I, my flesh was worried. My flesh worried. I was uh, in consternation, uh, fretting. Is this going to be it? Uh, maybe I shouldn't say this because it's just going to expedite the people leaving or things like this. But no. Uh, it was just through ordinary preaching. Or, we had the common service. Uh, we had the hymnals. Uh, uh, it was very basic and calm and natural, the growth. Um, so, so I want to tell you more about that, and I'll do that here in the, uh, in the study. <clears throat> so um, that we didn't use anything special, right? Uh, we can't give any credit to some technique or method. Uh, rather, the glory goes to God's word alone. And I want you to know that, that this is true for everything. Anybody who is a Christian is converted only by the word. That's it. That's all you have as a Christian. And that is all you need as a Christian. That's it. Uh, why are you here? Uh, pe- people driving uh, long distances to come to church. And they say... Um, because of the teaching, because of the doctrine, the word. That's it. I'm, in fact, I'm passing other churches to then come to this one. Uh, now, if those churches were teaching the same thing, or they were being faithful to the doctrine uh, and, uh, that we have, just even using the hymnal, a lot, maybe this church wouldn't be here. A lot of you would, would be gone. But a lot of you have found this precisely because you're looking for not a style or personality, or a, th- a program, but you just want doctrine. I just want to know what Jesus says, right? Um, I've had someone come here. Uh, actually, Beth, who's going to be confirmed next Sunday, uh, so um, who's gone through catechesis her own. Uh, her first Sunday here, she said, I just want to know the truth. I just want to know what the Bible says. Does it? it okay, all right, then you're in the right place, and then... Let's, let's meet. So, uh, but that, that's the same story for a lot of you. It's just, I, I just want to know what the Bible says. I want to know what, it, what it's teaching. Um, uh, so, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that more, too. But I want to say that a lot of church growth uh, techniques and missions or evangelism, this sort of stuff, starts out with the wrong question. And the question is this. Uh, how do we bring complete strangers into our church. That's kind of the approach. How do we bring complete strangers into the church? I think, I know it's, it's a pious and loving thought, but I think it's starting in the wrong place. Because it also, first of all, it makes us seem like we're capable of such a thing. Like just a, a certain amount of effort or, uh, yeah, a certain thing is going to accomplish this. It, the second thing it does is that it makes outreach appear more daunting than it actually is. A lot more intimidating. 
it's very intimidating to say, well, how am I going to get the people who are going, who, who don't go to church, who go to the club every uh, Friday and Saturday and don't wake up early in the morning, they have their, their life is a mess. How am I going to get them to come to he- this church, follow the liturgy, hear the preaching of the word, rejoice in baptism, confess their sins, call themselves a poor, miserable sin? I mean, how am I going to do that? That's overwhelming. I have no idea, right? I, I don't know how uh, to do that. And when we start to think that way, when we start there, it scares a lot of people away. It says, I, I, can't, I can't do this. I'll, t- I'll show you later with the, with the approach that we take, how it, it turns everything on its head. It's totally backwards uh, uh, in, in, in the world's, uh, or in, in American evangelicals' idea of, of missions or um, of outreach. So the other thing this does is that... Uh, Right, uh, because it's more daunting, it's more intimidating. Um, it's also kind of awkward, right? Uh, how am I, do I just walk up to somebody in the grocery store and then just tell them to come to church or say, uh, "If you die, where are you going to go tonight?" Most people just walk away from you, and they want nothing to do with you because it's weird. It's 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 very foreign. It's a very awkward sort of thing. So so then the question is, what do we do? Um, th- it, it also, this approach or this idea favors extroverts over introverts, right? Some of you are really good with talking to people. Some of you don't like people, uh, and that's okay, right? Um, that's me some days. I'm like, I don't want to see another face in my life. No. Um, but so, so it's, it's to say, well, then, well, then the best outreach, the, the people who are going to be best at evangelism are those who are extroverted. And then while well, the introverts, well, you're on your own or you have to, force, you have to be forced to get into this new uh, personality and to become an extrovert. So this is, this is also an issue. Uh, others think that you need like a special knowledge or a special set of skills, like a certain IQ to accomplish this. Like you, you got to be really bright and, and smart to then convince people and do this. Um, and so what a lot of people do is that they'll fear, they, they, they're afraid, and they're in fear of outreach or talking theology to anyone for fear that they'll mess it up, right? And so I don't want to say the wrong thing, and apparently you've got to know a lot before you start talking about this, and therefore we just never get around to it because we're intimidated. Um, I'm not going to take up the question, how do, we get, how do we bring complete strangers into our church? That's, I, I, I don't think that's uh, where we start. What I want to show you here is that the truth about outreach are these three things. It's that it's simple, it is calm, and it's natural. That, that's all it is. Let me, let me write this up here. So that uh, outreach really is simple, it's calm, and it's natural. Uh, It's simple meaning um, that it's not going to be an overly complicated thing that you have to get a certificate in uh, or anything like this. Uh, Many, a lot of the evangelism books are really complicated. But what I want to show you is that anyone can do this. There's no expertise or skill required. There's no additional classes or 
coursework, things like this. Um, there's no, also no gimmicks or puns or turns of phrases or gadgets that you need. I've seen some of these things. They're like uh, cubes that help to, to help share the gospel or people use beads or pennies and things like this. Um, you don't need any of this uh, is what I want to say. Uh, we don't need to use these sort of uh, gimmicks, I would, I would call them. Um, it's also, when, when I say it's simple, I'm saying that it's not expensive and doesn't cost money or need projects and materials or methods. It, um, I, I think there's a misconception that evangelism has to be expensive or that it has to cost money or things like this. Uh, and in fact, it's simple and a lot of times it's free. Um, so I'll, I'll be talking more about that as well. I want to talk about also that it's calm. A lot of, like I said before, evangelism books will teach you to be anxious or frantic about everyone. I told you that every time you snap a finger, somebody's going to hell. Get up and go. What are you doing? You're sitting here. We're wasting time. We've got to go save the world. And, and it puts so much pressure and anxiety. Um, but what I want to show is that Lutherans t- uh, approach evangelism very calmly, uh, peacefully, if you, you could say this. It's uh, patient as well. There's, a, there's an unhealthy biz- busyness uh, that this idea of the grander the event or the more people involved or the more it costs or the more time spent, it somehow means something, right? Uh, usually it bears no fruit. <clears throat> I, I had somebody uh, come to the church one time and say, um, this is when we were... We were growing, I think we maybe had 50 people at the time. Now we're at 150 almost. Um, but around that time, they said, well, I know how to uh, fill your church up. I said, okay, all right, what is it? And they said, um, we'll have a car show. We'll have a car show. You get all the cars out there. And I had a really tough time connecting the two. I'm like, wait a second. You're, you're going to come to this parking lot to see a DeLorean or a Ferrari or something, and then you're going to believe the forgiveness of sins, right? And I, and I missed the disconnect there. So, um, all right, I, I missed the connection there. So, but, but the, the idea was, well, we're going to throw this big event. We're going to have all these cars. We're going to have all this thing. And then when people see that, people are going to see the church, and then they're going to realize they're going to kind of ease their way into the church, right? Um, so there was kind of this busyness, this idea. We never did that, and we didn't need to. Um, uh, yeah, I was thinking, like, what am I going to do? Put my Mazda out there? And, like, look, I haven't washed it in years. Okay. Um, so th- there, there's this idea of equating busyness with, with programs and outreach and things. But really, it's calm. It's very simple, and it is uh, patient. The, the third thing I want to say, so it's simple, it's calm, it's natural. Uh, a lot of evangelism books will designate certain people as experts or the evangelist guru or something like this. Um, and many of these ideas are unnatural or forced, you could say. Right? They, they kind of try to break the ice with a complete stranger. Um, the idea is that coming to church and being a Christian, um, the idea behind these books is that what you're doing right now on a Sunday, you come to church, you come to Bible study. Uh, the idea is that's not enough 
for you to be to to do outreach. You got to do more, and there's something more that you got to do. And so what it does then it divides the congregation between people who are equipped to do evangelism and people who are not. So um, I had a friend up in Iowa who um, Pastor Andrew Preuss, and he was talking to me that they had this uh, board of evangelism in his church. And uh, in, in the Constitution and all this sort of stuff, in the bylaws. And the idea was that evangelism was sort of delegated to this group. And he took that and he redlined the whole thing. And said, let's take this out. Because what you're doing is you're taking the confessing of the Word of God, which is the property of all Christians. All Christians are free to do this. And uh, instead of giving it to the people, which is what they're, the whole church is supposed to be the board of evangelism. The whole church is supposed to be that. So what you've done is you've taken that and you've delegated it to a certain number of people where I can sit comfortably here and I'm just going to delegate this task. You guys bring people into the church, come up with the ideas. Rather, so he takes this out and says, nope, uh, the whole congregation is to hear the word of God. And by hearing the word of God, they also speak it. Right? It's, it's very natural. It's a natural thing. Um, so, uh, the, so th- that's the idea here, uh, that coming to church doesn't prepare you for outreach. Um, and that's not true. I say coming to church is the best preparation for outreach. Just coming to Bible study and listening is the best for outreach. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, sort of uh, things that are involved in this. Um, when, you, when you read these popular books, they'll have things like a spiritual gift inventory where it's sort of like a Christian personality test if, or something like this. Personality tests are good. That way you can see if, I don't know, other people are crazy or if you're crazy. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But personalities, look, they, they have these things and that's fine. In the seven, 60s and 70s, it made it way, its way into the church. And so what it wanted to do, the idea was everybody has their certain gifts and abilities and you've got to find out what your spiritual gift is and yours is patience and yours is uh, generosity and yours is evangelism or things like this. Um, and then we're going to all break off into our certain groups where our strengths are and then we're, this is how we're going to run the church. Again, this is good for businesses. I think this is helpful. I think this is good stuff to know who you're working with. Uh, it's not the same in the church though. Um, and, and, and then again, it's saying that there's some gifts that God has given to some that he's not going to give to other. Yes, of course, uh, it's more developed. Some of you are more patient than others. That's good. That's a good thing. But we're all increasing in patience, all of us. We, in fact, we should be uh, more patient this year than we were last year, right? Um, if, you're going, if you're becoming more impatient, then you're going the wrong way. So, uh, so then there's, there's this constant uh, improving of the Christian. Never perfection, but there is an improvement. Uh, the other thing, too, is these bait-and-switch methods. Um, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, it, it'll say something like, well, we're going to show Toy Story. We're going to show the movie Toy Story here. Uh, just kidding, there's an intermission. You all need to come to church <laughs> uh, and get your butts here, right? So, and, and then what happens is people see this, and they're... The common person sees this and is not uh, appreciative of such a tactic, right? They see this, they're like, I kind of see what you're doing, and I'm actually uncomfortable now, right? So this sort of bait and switch, or I'll give you this, but let me tell you something. Can you, you hold their attention? Um, or there's also the prepared and standard questions uh, that you, you, know, you just kind of memorize and uh, 
with rote memorization, you talk about these things. Um, but my point is that uh, everybody loves the words organic and authentic. Well, that's what real um, evangelism is. It's just, it grows out of it. It's authentic, and it just happens naturally, which we'll get to. Um, it happens in ordinary things. Very, very ordinary. It doesn't have to be special. Uh, it's very plain. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but I'll, I want to get to some other things here. One thing I want to point out is the irony of this, of what I've said so far. And what I've said is that if that outreach is simple, calm, and natural, and that you're already good at it, you already know what you're doing, you already know what to say, I, I think maybe some of you don't know if you have the confidence to say it, but you do know what to say. If you've been here more than one Sunday, I think you're pretty well versed in things. Um, so if it is so simple, calm, and natural, then why give a Bible study on it? <laughs> Uh, so the point is that it's not so much to teach you how to do outreach, uh, but to tell you how not to. And it's really about unlearning certain things that uh, we have all assumed and taken for granted and just think this is the way it's supposed to be. And so I just want to tell you the, the way the scriptures speak about this. Um, so the, the main point of this is to free your mind from the popular mainstream teachings of this and to also put your heart at rest and to take away any anxiety that you would have about outreach or evangelism. Um, <clears throat> I want to tell you uh, an, another story here of Pastor Andrew Richard. He, too, was called to a small congregation, uh, St. Silas Lutheran Church in Iowa City, in Iowa. He founded a new congregation. He had no training in evangelism or church planning I had a small congregation. I don't know how many people, but uh, a handful, if that. Uh, but they were faithful and they were orthodox. Right? It was just the, the common service. Uh, and so he made a checklist when he got there. And he said, uh, I have three things that I have to do. Get people, uh, get a space, and then have church. And that's it. <laughs> that, was, that was his approach, his method, the end. Uh, so first, what he tried to do, he, he, he actually uh, looked into a number of these evangelism things. This is why he's writing this book. Uh, but he looked into these things. He started writing letters to people, phone calls, uh, cold calls, visits, things like this. And uh, I think he, the way he puts it in his book is that somebody told him, um, I look forward to becoming better strangers. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so don't talk to me again is basically what they're saying. Um, so, so that was, you know, the, the idea that they, they just didn't want this. Then his, his, uh, he tried a number of uh, months later, his second try, was just preach and lead the service, uh, nothing special. And the response was uh, people started to contact him, ones that he's never heard of or contacted before. And people were interested in theology, and they wanted to hear more. And they said, well, what are you talking about this thing? What, what do you mean that's the body and blood of Christ? What, what, what is that? Uh, why do you guys do the service this way? And it, there was just a curiosity that came out. Uh, and that happened just by the families, the few families that were there, said, you guys got to hear this guy preach. That's it. Something simple like that. Or, oh, yeah, I'm going to church on Sunday. Well, you should come with me one day. And then eventually it grew, and it just grew very slowly. Nothing, no uh, overnight success, 
But it was slowly and very organic, right? Very, very calm in this way. In, in the same way, that's how it's been at Zion. Um, that we've grown in the same way, very slowly. P- people talking to other people. That's it. And saying, hey, listen to this sermon. And then they're here, right? Um, I didn't contact any of you. None of you. Not one person. I didn't like cold call or reach out to you guys. It just happened. You guys contacted me. And you started to hear these things. And then uh, you, were, you were curious. So, um, so th- this, is, this is the point here. In, in Matthew 18, or sorry, in Matthew 16, we're getting ready to close. Uh, Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says um, to Peter, who, well, to all the apostles, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, uh, the son of the living God. And he says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you that on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What is the rock that he'll build his church upon? Yeah, it, it is, it's the confession. It's the profession of faith of the gospel, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, well, who's going to build my church? He says, I will build my church. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it with this, with the profession of faith, by simply saying the proclamation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that is what the church is going to be built upon. Uh, It's the Lord's work who builds the church. Uh, Paul talks about this later. Uh, I planted another watered, but God made it grow. Uh, This is the same sort of approach. What did they have? The word. Last Sunday for Pentecost, 3,000 people, stubborn people who put Jesus to death, who were angry with him, who wanted blood. 3,000 of those people, what? Converted and were baptized and were part of the church. Through what? And all it was was the preaching of Peter. And he says, this Lord, uh, that, 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 that um, the, the God has made him both uh, Christ and Lord, uh, whom you crucified, the author of life, whom you crucified. And they were cut to the heart, stabbed or impaled in the heart. And they say, what do we do? He says, repent and be baptized. And then they were numbered with the saints that day. So again, uh, throughout the scriptures, time and time and time again, it is, uh, it's not like all of a sudden we just figured out how churches grow. The whole time, this is how churches have been growing. Even in the midst of persecution was through the word. That's it. That's all they had. That's all they needed. So it's Jesus who, who builds his church. The other thing I want to tell you too is uh, Article 5 of the Augsburg um, Confession. I don't have it in front of me, but I know that at the very end, it's on the work of the ministry, that uh, in order to uh, receive this faith, the Lord has um, instituted pastors, the the preaching and the administration of the sacraments. Then it goes all the way to the end, and then it says um, that the Holy Spirit works where, when and where he pleases. That's the line in the Confessions. How does the Holy Spirit work when and where he pleases? What's a good picture of that? What's the best picture you could think of? It's a story that shows that. A parable. 
Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's sowing the seed. So indiscriminately, he's casting the word out, uh, sowing it everywhere, almost recklessly, and it grows where it grows, and it doesn't where it doesn't. Um, but it is the task of the sower not to search out the different soils and say, ah, you're going to be good, here's this, but to cast it out for all to hear, to say, I don't care. Uh, we, we have that one hymn by Martin Franzman, preach you the word and plant it home, whether they like or like it not. <laughs> that's a great line. That's, that's talking about pastors. Preach the word, and if they like it, good. And if they don't, then keep preaching the word. And just keep preaching it. And don't back down. You have the word of God. There's nothing to be ashamed of here. Uh, so that then says, well, the word works when and where it pleases. Uh, there, there have been uh, people I've talked to, and it bore no fruit. And I've said the same exact things I said to some people to other people, and it bore fruit. And their, whole, their entire family is here now. You're like, well, how did that happen? Well, it, it's not up to me or you to try and figure out how it happens or to control when someone is converted or not. I mean, Nicodemus takes three years before he's finally converted. We don't know when in that time, but it wasn't that night um, talking to Jesus. But eventually he was. The word worked on his heart. Uh, so, so the point here is that according to church growth techniques and strategies, St. Silas up in Iowa and Zion shouldn't exist. We should be gone by now. Um, and we're not. And that shows that the Holy Spirit worked when and where he pleased. And he created faith in your heart. He brought you down here for some reason to this church for a reason that you would hear this word and that you would rejoice and God willing that you would die in the faith and die in peace. That's why. Um, and God will uh, grow his church the way he pleases and he's going to do it the way he's always done it through the preaching of the word. Um, and and that's, uh, that's enough. So I want to go back to the title real quick before we close and, or open up for questions then close. The title, Be at Leisure, the Lutheran, a Lutheran approach to outreach, seems like an oxymoron or a contradiction to say, should, shouldn't outreach be busy and uh, active? And then you're telling me, be at leisure. So how are they going together? Well, uh, what Pastor Richard does is he quotes Psalm 46.10, and that's where he gets the, um, uh, the verse here. You guys know it in this translation. Be still and know that I'm God. Yeah. Sorry? Be still Yes. Yeah. Very good. So um, that's the verse, uh, Psalm, Psalm 46. And the context there in Psalm 46 is the end of the world. It begins by saying, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, uh, we will not fear. For God is with us. And then it continues and it talks about all this chaos and tragedy. And then it says, be still or be at leisure. Be calm. Know that I am God. He's still in control. Um, you, you can also translate this, be at leisure or relax or stop. <laughs> stop like uh, Jesus tells to, to Martha uh, or calm down. If we ought to have this attitude of calmness and patience and peace, as Psalm 46 says, regarding the end of the world then we ought to have the same peace 
even in the midst of outreach. If, if Jesus tells us to lift up our heads and rejoice and to have peace and to be calm at the very last day, the worst day this, this world will ever see, then we can be rejoicing and have peace and be calm every other day of this life. Um, and, and that's the point. Uh, so the same, the same uh, idea continues here, that we just stop, we focus on what God's Word says, we consider how the church grew throughout the world, uh, throughout all of time, and say, well, we're going to keep doing that. And that's, that's our method. Uh, that's our approach. Um, Okay, let me close here for questions. Let me stop this.